Hey folks, I'm here today to tell you about Visible. Something unfortunate about wireless services, what you see isn't always what you get. But with Visible, what you see is what you get. No perception check required. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month, taxes and fees included. If you're looking for a carrier that is upfront with no hidden fees, then go to Visible.com to make the switch. You don't need more than one line of wireless to save, and you're going to be getting unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Visible is the wireless carrier that's constantly operating from a zone of truth. In their quest for total transparency, Visible wants you to know the monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey everyone, welcome to the Dungeon Cast. I'm Will. I'm Brian. This is a podcast where we talk about everything Dungeons and Dragons, from orderly oaths to ocular orbs. And today we're covering the Yachtyug. Hey, Brian. Hey, Will. What is good, my dude? Um, Life. Life is good for me right now. I'm enjoying it. How's life for you? <laughs> Life's great. Uh, I'm recording podcasts, which is a joy. Indeed. <laughs> indeed it is. So today we're talking about the Otiug or the Otiug. I'm not sure how to pronounce it, so I'm probably going to bounce back and forth, you know, all episode long. I'm sure I'll get corrected in the comments. Uh, do, but do yeah, you know anything I- about the Otiug? I don't know anything about the pronunciation. I was kind of surprised to hear the G because of the GH on it. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I we're not um, historically very good with the, the pronunciation, of, pronunciation of several words. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I mean, I know, know what you, you mean, but if I were to try and do the silent, it would be Otia, the Otias, which maybe Otias. it's an Otia. I don't know. I just yeah, see Oti and Ugg, and I'm like Oti Uggs. Yeah, I do see so Ugg. It. It's Charlie Brown Indeed. is in my brain. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what, this creature will definitely make you go Ugg when you see it. So, yeah. We have another <laughs> We have another D&D original in today's episode. The Carrion Crawler's brother from another mother, the Otiug, also known as oh, the Golguthra. Oh, what? Okay, now, there's cool. no act- I really like the Carrion Crawler. Yeah, well, there's no actual relation or connection between the two monsters, save to say that they fill a very, very similar niche in the monster biome of the world of D&D, and they were both mm-hmm. D&D originals. So I suppose you could say that if Gygax did invent them both, they would technically be siblings from the same father. Um, regardless, <laughs> this malodorous abomination is horrendous to behold, worse to smell, and has an appetite of three carrion crawlers put into one. Ultimately, though, they are much less violent and mean-spirited than the Carrion Crawler. 
That and they are quite a bit more intelligent than the aforementioned crawler with the ability to speak and even capabilities of limited telepathy. Uh, despite being smarter than a crawler though, they eat trash and poop and anything else disgusting that they can find. These guys are bizarre and I love it. Uh, before we get more into it, I want you, you to pull up an image of this Lovecraftian horror as I go over the physical description. Sure, I will I will go ahead and jump right on that. <laughs> yeah, because this thing's nasty looking, but it's also, like, I'm going to describe it, and I'm going to do the best I can, but at the same time, like, you really just got to see it. So let me know when you're you know, ready. You know, uh, I've, I've <clears throat> you know, flipped through the, flipping through the monster manual. Yeah, there's a lot of things going on here. Uh, <laughs> it, it's built like the, do you want me to give, like, a synopsis of what I'm seeing real quick? Yeah, sure. Or do you want Go for it. Uh, okay, it's like if the Tarrasque didn't have a, a normal face, uh, mm-hmm. and that you split its you split its face up into like a tentacle. It's got it's got like the Displacer Beast style tentacles on it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but it, yeah, it's it's chonky like an elephant or a rhinoceros. Very much so. Let me give you my description. So, Anotiug is a grotesque bulbous creature with a huge bloated ovoid body covered with rock like skin that is brownish gray in color which is then in turn covered with dung. Its body is borne along on three sturdy elephantine legs that give them slow ground movement, but enable them to pivot quickly. In the center of their mass, Otiugs have a preposterously large and wide mouth lined with rows of long razor sharp teeth. Its eyes and nose are not set into the creature's face, for this monstrosity has no true face. Instead, its three eyes and nostril are set on the leaf-shaped end of a thick vine-like stalk that snakes from the top of its bloated body. This appendage moves quickly from side to side, enabling them to scan a large area. It is also a receiver and transmitter for their telepathic abilities. Two equally long rubbery tentacles ended in spiky thorn-like protrusions also extend for the top of the thing's body. The Otiug uses these to shovel unfathomable amounts of food into its gaping maw but also to smash and grapple their opponents. A typical Otiug has a body 8 feet in diameter and weighs about 500 pounds. Jeez, man. What? Yeah, like the image that I'm looking at as you describe that, like really, uh-huh. really brings it home. Yeah, it is mm-hmm. so thick. And I was like, I was, you know, when you're looking at the the image of it, you don't realize it, it only has three legs. You think maybe the fourth leg is hidden by its like angled perspective that it's drawn in. Yeah. But it, mm-hmm. there's there's really is one big fat leg in the back. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I you, I want to know. Did you even catch that it has eyes and a nose on it, one of its tentacles? Yeah, yeah, I did. Um, like when when you when I was talking about, it looks like it's leaning forward, like the Tarrasque in a lot of image I see images I see out mm-hmm. of the Tarrasque, like about to destroy a bunch of shit. But yeah, if you yeah. like lifted the eyes and nose off of it and put it on a tentacle, it's hard to tell where that tentacle is coming from exactly. But it looks like it's coming from its butt almost, or like its mid middle back. To like it, have it's the described eyes as coming from the top of the head, but yeah, you know. Yeah, and the art, it's set way back, like past the neck and shoulders, from what I can tell. Um, I mean, there's no, this this thing has no neck or shoulders. No, I suppose, I suppose it doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) So there is another type of Otiug, uh, besides the common one, the Neo Otiug, which is essentially a bigger, better, more powerful one with better telepathic powers. Um, some sources cite them as more violent than your average Otiug, but most actually depict them as far smarter and more reasonable and less aggressive. 
is the Neo Oteag, born born in the nineties. Born in the nineties. Like Neo, Neo Soul in the new wave. <laughs> whenever whenever reading up on a monster for the show, I always like to find mythological folklore or literary inspirations for them if possible. Uh, the Oteag does not seem to have anything official or overly overly obvious as an inspiration, and I couldn't find any quotes from Gygax or anywhere else on the subject. That being said, there is one prevailing theory on the subject. The prevailing theory is that the Oteag is based off of the trash compactor monster in the original Star Wars movie. This is definitely possible. It has the extended eye thing going on. Uh, it hides in and eats trash, and the first appearance of the Oteag is exactly four months after the release of Star Wars in theaters, and that's awfully coincidental if you ask me. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> and I'm really glad this quote is so fresh in my mind all the time because of uh, we play Super Quest Saga, a sci-fi uh, Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition actual play podcast that you should check out that will DMs. But, Indeed. Um, <clears throat> but <laughs> yeah, 3PO shut down the trash compactor on the detention level. It's great. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, no, it, it does look like that. It also looks like a bunch of other... Um, like D&D-esque uh, kind of pieces assembled together a little bit. You know, like yeah. the Displacer Beast style tentacle that I mentioned before. It's like that tentacle with a, um, you know, kind of eye shape at the end of it, that that almondy kind of look with the spikes in it. And then like having your tentacles on eyes, that's like a D&D thing, so you can pivot them. And then this, this, yeah. chonky, yeah. this chonky bottom mass, which looks, you know, it more, more looks like, this monster almost looks like the bullet or the boulet or whatever that thing is called. Like in its shape. Oh, yeah. Yeah, where it's got like, so. a, you know, like just in its like form, like a little bit. It's, you know, it's chonky like that. And it's it got that aerodynamic. Sure. Like it's got a big old mouth in the chonky. front. Yeah. yeah. Like just taking elements from other D&D monsters and kind of assembling them into this one. And then the whole thing yeah, with the Star Wars. That's pretty like- funny. When you look at it, like you're like, that's an abomination. It is like a an amalgamation of like ten different animals put together in one, and also like none of them at all. Yeah, um, I like that it's the the other like a uh, competitor for the carrion crawler. That's kind of cool. Yeah, they 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 fill the same niche. They they are definitely attracted to similar biomes. Um, the the difference being that carrion crawlers eat dead bodies. Uh, Odiogs eat everything. So nice. Odiogs are terrifying creatures, uh, but their massive bulk and ungainly three legs, uh, three-legged form rule out speed-based attacks. Uh, it relies <laughs> instead on ambush, and its body reeks of that predatory ability. The Odiog mm-hmm. lurks in heaps of dung and decay, waiting for something to disturb it. There, they bury themselves under mounds of Ophel and Karen, leaving only their sensory stalks exposed. Heaps of moldering plants, piles of maggot-ridden bodies, pools of unidentifiable slime, and pits brimming with excrement are favored nesting sites of the beast. With a great splash and Oteog's other two tentacles, well-muscled and equipped with claws, whip out to smash its startled prey. Even the creature's scent aids it in battle, as disoriented and sickened foes stumble around trying to settle their be- bellies long enough to unsheathe their weapons. So you could see these outside of, like, if you're in the underdark and you're like precipice, you're on the precipice of reaching into like a demon lord's lair. There's probably those all those environmental like hazards that come with that territory, like uh, the fields of mushrooms and like the um, like the slime from like maybe a Jewablex sort of like area, like that sort of thing. Yeah, I could see that. I could see it hiding in that. Um, 
outside right. of well, Nimbus Well, we're going to get a little bit more kind. into like the specifics of where they dwell later, but um, but yeah, I could definitely see them dwelling in that scenario as well. Okay. So, Odiugs make the most of any opportunity to ambush and devour prey, and some of them are more nefarious ones, uh, or, and some of the more nefarious ones will even go as far as to use their limited form of telepathy to urge sentient creatures towards their layers by pretending to be something else. For example, a person calling out for help, or a sentient magic item. Since Odiugs lack concern for anything but food, their nests sometimes accumulate a variety of treasures shed from their victims and mixed amongst the junk. Okay, so I was going to say, these things are not, uh, are definitely not stealthy by any means. So no. this telepathy thing is really its big its big catch, right? I mean, that's one of its catches for sure. I, it's definitely unique and never explained. And like, I I would imagine that like, it, it's got to have ties to the Far Realm. This thing, this creature is very Lovecraftian looking to me. Like, it just looks like something that doesn't belong. And since we're bringing yeah. in psychic powers, again, we're talking far realm, if you ask me. Yeah, and I was thinking about the goth and, like, summoning things from over um, from over from the beyond. Is the goth, is that, do I have that right? Is that the one that's, like, the pseudo-beholder, kind of? Yeah, the that's one the that one that summon? they call the lesser beholder. The lesser beholder. It's got the same kind of, like, fleshy tones in the artwork. Um, yeah. And, like, that, those those eyes kind of being separated up on a tentacle is, like... You know, that, that kind of is like a look, a far realm looking like I could see why this you would think this is a creature from from that area. Yeah, absolutely. So being dwellers of the dark, OTX spend most of their time within their lairs. They tolerate bright light only when considerable stores of carrion or garbage lie within reach, tempting the behemoth from its dark place of comfort. In the wilderness, they dwell in stagnant swamps, scum-filled ponds and damp forest dells. In more civilized areas, the sense of graveyards, city sewers, village middens, and manure-filled animal pens attract them. The solitary mm. creatures prefer to live far from others of their kind, but they don't become territorial unless suitable nesting sites are scarce or fresh prey wanders past. They gather to mate each year for one month, with one offspring produced on average. It takes a newborn four months to mature and venture out on its own to devour different nasty things in a different nasty place. This is super interesting, uh, like from a world building perspective to have these creatures, you know, I think we talked about it in the carry on crawler episode. Like if you're not doing well with your waste management, you might like accidentally summon something like this into your town. Yeah, um, very much so. We, we did talk about, about it. like, no. yeah, like industrial revolution, London and stuff like that. Um, but there's, uh, there's other stuff like, uh, like what if you have a community of like, I don't know some some humanoid race that has been they have to find a new home right like they're just starting out maybe they're not like digging their graves deep enough like, you know mm-hmm. they they've been around for a little while and maybe maybe a few years go by and they've had some deaths and things like that so they have a graveyard and like maybe a flood comes through and when you don't bury your bodies deep enough like the the bodies raised to the surface in some cases yeah and that like could could spell the end for a newer civilization that might, might not be ready to take on a creature like this that you could accidentally summon. Yeah, very you know, true. By doing, very true. By doing things like that, it's yeah. kind of a, a fun like little world building thing to keep in mind. Yeah, absolutely. Also, I think uh, the Otiug is a very uh, fitting creature if you're doing like an ancient times style, like uh, like. There's a bunch of different like styles of ancient times fantasy, but if you're doing like more like barbarian times fantasy, like I think 
this thing is a fantastic monster to have your like tribal characters to deal with. It's horrifying and scary. <laughs> oh yeah, that's cool. That is mm-hmm. cool. Like the almost like the frog hemoth in like a swamp setting. This could yeah. show up really anywhere. Yeah, there's an old um cartoon or animated movie called uh, Fire and Ice, which is it's very adult by the way. Um uh, but it takes place in a fantasy world that's very like barbaric and like this is one of the things that would have been in the swamp that like the the main characters would end up like fighting and stuff. It, it very much reminds me of that. Okay, so, cool, cool, cool. As I said before, there are two varieties of the Guguthra. Uh the regular Otiug and its larger, more intelligent offshoot, the Neo Otiug. No sources really explain the origin of the Neo Otiug except that one edition that loves to explain everything, and we love it for that fourth edition. <laughs> Welcome four back e, to the show, fourth edition. We missed know. you. I love fourth edition. It's done so much good shit for this show. Um, so, I, I should shout out to fourth edition more than I sh- should shout out to Demi Gorgon. Careful what you say, man. Careful what you say. Um, fourth edition. So four E <laughs> so states that Otiug are prone to strange mutations. Soaked in disease and decay, an Otiug gradually will evolve in appearance to complement its environment. An Otiug living in Ophel turns a multi-hued brown and its skin grows mottled. Um, the skin of a creature dwelling in a pond scum, pond scum-covered pool um, gains a bright green sheen and blisters that mimic the pool's slime bubbles. An Otiug's propensity for mutating makes it particularly susceptible to Far Realm influences. If it eats an aberrant creature's flesh, the Pit Dweller rapidly morphs into a much larger, more intelligent, and deadlier Neo-Otiug. It also gains stronger psychic and telepathic abilities. Now, this is... Oh my gosh. That's 4th edition specific. It really doesn't fit in any other edition, uh, but I love it, and it's great. <laughs> yeah, it's really cool. It's interesting and horrifying at the same it, time. It is. Uh, yeah, 4E was all about... The Shadowfell, the Feywild, and the Far Realm, like the the like just massive uh, explaining explaining and tying into those three things across the board. Yeah, um, all Golguthra have limited telepathic ability. Their form of communication is usually limited to simple feelings and emotions, such as hunger, temper conditions, and associated discomforts. Its dislike of bright lights and imminent death for its prey. Though it's said that Otiugs and Neotiugs have a language, much of which is nonverbal, movements of eye stalk and tentacles or emissions of certain smells, only they can understand uh, the speech between each other. It's like body language, like like dog tail wagging and stuff like that? Yeah, I guess so. Uh, Paired with telepathy, yeah. Intelligent societies can sometimes coexist with Otiugs, which they regard as convenient garbage disposals. They dump their refuse in the lair of the Otiug, which generally refrains from attacking them in exchange for the feedings. With such plentiful sustenance, Otiugs grow fat in their wallows, unmoved by any other drive or desire. Not even the desire to mate stirs one from its putrid stew. This sedentary gluttony can make them reliable guardians, uh... They are ideal pets for keeping interlopers from poorly guarded sewers, middens, dungeons, cesspools, obliates, and, mo- and even a moat. Uh, as long as it is fed, an Otiug refrains from attacking its benefactor. However, would-be Otiug masters can easily underestimate the quantity of waste, carrion, and meat necessary to keep an Otiug from wandering off in search of food. And more than one trained Otiug has eaten its keeper after devouring all the waste in its wallow. So you could really scale the like size of an Otiug based off of like the lore that surrounds it. Like yeah, if you wanted definitely. to make one that was especially big and like homebrew it with some buffs for con and stuff like that, you could. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and there is actually a stat block for the Neo Otiug, which is the bigger, badder one. Um, but it's 
kind of behind a paywall. It's uh, you can only get it in the Dragon Plus magazines, and I'm oh, pretty wow, sure okay. you got to pay for those. Um, but it does exist. It's out there, guys. If you if you want it, it's a bigger, batter Odiag. Um, Odiag also make deals with fellow intelligent monster uh, dungeon denizens, agreeing not to agreeing to team up in exchange for their dung and body waste, which they then devour. For. <laughs> Okay. Hey, can I? Fo- hey, man, can I just like follow you around? Is that cool? Well, it's more like you know, if an Otiug and I don't know what's another dungeon monster that's like gross enough to team up with this thing. Um. Well, okay. I'm thinking about the purple worm. So, like, well, if okay. the purple worm is just like burrowing and digging, it's just gonna shit in like its path, right? Yeah, well, sure. An, a purple worm's going to eat an Oteg. No, this is... I'm talking about Oteg's making deals with fellow intelligent monsters. Yeah, yeah, so you are. Like, um, let's I, team sorry, up. I was, like, Go so I can eat your shit. Yeah, so I can eat your shit and I'll do whatever you want. So, <laughs> motivated to keep... Yeah, I'll do... <laughs> motivated to well, keep like, the, Okay, we don't ever talk about it. Like, beholders are... Beholders do beholders shit. Like, do they eat, you mm-hmm. know? No, like, I don't think they do. I don't think they do. <laughs> <laughs> Their energy is all magical, especially They're the perfect god. beings. Um, Neither, nothing needs to go in nor come out. Well, like okay, so the goth does eat. The goth eats magic items. Yeah, so but that's only to be... sustain itself. In remember, if it doesn't, it it goes back to its dimension. Maybe because uh, they don't have buttholes, right? So maybe like they <laughs> kind of have to vomit. <laughs> They have to vomit up like uh like a uh, some sort of exhaust or like uh you know like coal I guess I'm thinking of like residual effects of eating magic items they have to like vomit up yeah it's like sure. you clean up my house you clean up my house and you get to eat all my shit yeah exactly so motivated <laughs> to keep the supply of the waste coming they will agree to help defend their new allies' home against trespassers which includes many adventurers naturally. Uh, this deal is only as strong as an Oteug is well-fed, though, since Oteugs may be persuaded not to attack the invading creatures in exchange for the promise of friendship and food. <laughs> cool, cool. So if so you're not feeding your Oteug enough... On its mind. Yeah, if you're not feeding it enough and some invaders come in and they're like, yo, we'll feed you a lot. Well, guess what? The Oteug just switched sides. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe like a goblin, uh, like goblins might be a good there we candidate. Go. Goblins are a good kobolds. candidate. That's exactly right. Oh, they have a pet Otiug that it's not really their pet. It's just sort of their symbiotic homie. Exactly. That's exactly right. So Neo oh, well, that's Oteug- a good way to usurp the, the, the deal it has. Like if you're the adventuring party coming into the goblin community you could be like hey i could kill way more people like i could kill all these goblins and let those rot <laughs> you know are you down yeah if you could convince the oto you might go for it but then again if the oto is really happy then it doesn't want you to kill the goblins because it's really happy <laughs> yeah totally i i can see why this yeah. would be that's a cool campaign little little point there mm-hmm. you know make the party kind of decide what they got to do indeed uh, if negotiating with the oto seems hard though because does it speak languages um, it can understand languages and has limited the telepathy. I believe it can actually speak with its giant mouth, too. Yeah, this thing's weird. Like, it, it's smart enough. It's not, like, I think it's got a uh, six or seven intelligence, but it's smart enough uh, to, like, be a person. Yeah, it's got a six. Um, yeah. So it's like a feed me Seymour kind of situation here. I see. Yeah. 
So it's smarter right. than a lot of like the animals we talk about, which are usually twos and threes. Yeah. So Neo OTUGs are generally less trusting and more vicious in nature and usually attack living creatures on site, but they can also form more complicated and dangerous partnerships with allies uh, than their lesser brethren, bargaining for services for payment and food that they consider to be delicacies. Unlike the Karan Crawler, OTUGs are so utterly disgusting that no alchemist or wizard would want to touch their components, so the corpses of the Golgunthra have no use or value on the market. Yeah, there's always um, there's always like this underlying like when you you know popular thing to say after a combat is I loot the bodies, right? Like, yes. So in this case, you're not really gonna get much from. No, that. as a matter of fact, you probably don't even want to get near the body. It smells so bad. That's interesting because don't psychic creatures usually have something to offer in terms of loot? Like, yeah, except for know. this shit's I'm just really so nasty, sure. no one wants to deal with it. Yeah, it just it just stinks so bad. Yeah, no one cares. Well, yeah, it's too it's too nasty. It's covered in shit, and uh, no one wants it. Selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing. However, you ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify is great. They're taking businesses of all sizes, cradling them in their arms to help them grow by giving them the tools they need. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success at every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dungeoncast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dungeoncast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dungeoncast. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday. So make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Uh, so any questions about nice. the OTUG before you tell us about the stat block? Uh, no, I, I think that that pretty thoroughly covers it. I do want to know what this thing's physical capabilities are, since it seems like we've been talking a lot about it eats and it um, like I'm more concerned about like how it like, yes, the pivoting thing is cool. So it's mainly just using its front legs. Like, how does this thing walk? It's a fucking flesh tricycle. Very, very slowly. It is a flesh tricycle. <laughs> it is. It is. Like, uh, well, tell us all about it. Let's get into the stab log. You, uh, yeah, okay. So the OTUG is a large aberration. Uh, it's neutral. So like if it's being fed, like you said, it's happy and mm -hmm. it's, it's good to go. Uh, it's got a 14 AC of natural armor. 
Uh, its hit points are uh, robust, 114, or 12d10 plus 48. Its speed is 30 feet, which I guess it's really not struggling. So I was thinking, like, you might have to drag that back leg around. But it seems like it's just sort of, like, bringing I'm, it in under the center of its body and kind of propelling itself and lifting I'm, the front two legs up. I'm very surprised it has a speed of 40 feet, considering its lore talks about how slow it is. Yeah, I mean, like, within the six seconds it takes to move the 30 feet, I mean, like, maybe this thing should have a contingency on it. Like, it's not capable of dashing. It's like, how Yeah, I, I like that. Uh, we got a strength of 16, a dex of 11, which pretty much tracks. I guess it's a flat zero for dex. Okay. I think it's I think it's more mobile than like the the lore is kind of leading on here, which Indeed. just doesn't so kind of make sense. Uh, maybe for saving throws, it can just like do a backflip or something. I don't know. Uh, constitution is nineteen. Boom. Uh, intelligence six, wisdom thirteen, and charisma six. So when you're negotiating with it, it's going to be pretty one track minded. It seems. Yes. Um, saving so. throws. It has a plus seven to con. That's all it's got. So you know maybe. Maybe that is telling of like if you're going to hit it. I'm surprised the constitution isn't that impressive. Or is this a saving throw or, or the actual stat? Well, the constitution is 19. The saving throw oh, okay. is, a, is a plus seven. That makes way more sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so dark sense uh, or sense, sorry, senses. It's going to have dark vision at 120 feet with a passive perception of 11. Uh, it does speak the language Otiu, Otiug. Right. Um, so yeah, they they speak their little psychic language together, and their bot their nasty body language that probably looks fucking suspect. Uh, it's a challenge rating of five, <laughs> and its uh, proficiency bonus is plus three. So the feature we have here is limited telepathy. The OTL can magically transmit simple messages and images to any creature within 120 feet of it that can understand a language. So if you suddenly are seeing uh, pieces of 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 human feces in your brain and you're, you really wasn't on your mind. You might be being spoken to by an OTA. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This form of telepathy doesn't allow the receiving creature to telepathy telepathically respond much like the message cantrip would mm. um, actions. We have multi-attack. Uh, so the OTA is going to make three attacks, one with its bite and two with its tentacles, which makes sense. Very much. So. Uh, let's see. The bite is going to be a melee weapon attack with plus six to hit, reach of five feet on one target. It's going to do 12 or 2d8 plus three piercing damage. If the target is a creature, it must succeed on a DC 15 constitution saving throw against disease or become poisoned until the cre- until the disease is cured, oh which is always troublesome. <laughs> Every 24 hours that elapse, the target must repeat the saving throw, reducing its hit point maximum by five or 1d10 on a failure. The disease is cured on a success. The target dies if the disease reduces its hit point maximum to zero. This reduction to the target's hit point maximum lasts until the disease is cured. So that might be very detrimental towards the end of a fight. If you're having to fight uh, fight off this poison, uh, you know, when your HP is already kind of getting low. Right. Now, I'm sorry. Can you repeat the... When it comes to disease, are they making a saving throw every every turn or every day? Um, it's going it's for every twenty four hours that elapse, the target must oh, okay. repeat the saving throw. So yeah, gotcha, gotcha. Every day, uh, I think I was saying stuff as if it was every turn, but yeah, every every day. Yeah, because with um, with the disease, t- it's more like a long term thing. Right. Yeah. So that that could be troublesome. Um. 
tentacle melee weapon attack plus six to hit with reach of 10 feet uh, on one target. That's going to do seven or 1d8 plus three bludgeoning damage plus four, 1D8, uh, four or 1d8 piercing damage. Uh, the target is, if the target is medium or smaller, it is grappled with an escape DC of 13 and restrained until the grapple ends. The OTUG has two tentacles, each of which can grapple one target. And then the final attack here is the tentacle slam. The oh OTUG slams a creature, slams creatures grappled by it into each other or uh, uh, another solid surface. Uh, each creature must succeed on a DC 14 Constitution saving throw or take 10 or 2d6 plus 3 bludgeoning damage and be stunned until Ooh. the end of the OTUG's next turn. On a successful save, the target takes half of the bludgeoning damage and isn't stunned. But this is doing a lot of status effect stuff. I mean, um, it, which it's makes a big stink it much monster. more formidable. It does. It's, it's yeah. definitely like a big boss fight for like low level characters. Like five level three characters would probably have a tough time with this guy. Yeah, challenge rating five. I, I definitely can see that happening, especially if it's like, um, you know, grappling, restraining, and then stunning people. That's you're you're gonna be giving up the ghost pretty quick if you don't cure these status effects. You know, pretty yeah. early on. Um, so yeah, mit, mitigating um, like range towards this creature is gonna be important, and like being able to fend off uh, the save at a crucial time could be a factor here with the poison. Um, but yeah, this stat block is, uh, you know, some of the stat blocks we read don't really reflect the creature in terms of lore all the time. Yeah, uh, this one true. seems pretty straight on. This one seems pretty, pretty right on the mark. Yeah, with the exception of its speed. Yes, definitely. Exactly. Yeah, I was just going to say, except like, why? Why the fuck is it so fast? <laughs> um, <laughs> the OTUG's been training you know, like since fourth edition. It's 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 got its speed and endurance up. Yeah, maybe if it really needs to, it can use its tentacles to like kind of help scoot it along. Yeah, maybe I can see that. Yeah, that, otherwise it's it's a pretty horrifying uh, piece of equipment that we've got here on indeed, our hands. Indeed, well, it is. Um, a nasty monster that you can't even harvest, uh, can't even harvest its teeth or flesh or whatever. You know, its nope. eyeballs. It's just a um, big yeah. mean thing in your way that you're gonna get no benefits from killing. Yeah, and it's going to want to eat your poop, so be it, careful yeah, with that. Definitely going to want to eat your poop. So any questions about the OTO before <laughs> we uh, get ready for our long rest? No. <laughs> All right. <laughs> then let's do that. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome yeah. to the long rest where we think of horrifying things to put on this custom beholder we make at the end of every episode. That is not beholder-based. Uh, and today's inspiration will be drawn from the OTUG or OTU. We can't decide how to say it. Will, uh, will you please lead us with the beam for this week? So I think the beam for this one's pretty obvious. We're gonna we're gonna do a stink beam. You know, they say that the OTA has a element of surprise when it reveals itself because it smells so bad. It causes like uh, foes to like drop their weapons and reel back. I'm picturing like a real nasty smell beam coming out of one of its eyes that has this exact same effect where they have to make a saving throw to not drop their weapon and to not be stunned to turn. That's really cool, and um, we uh, we we did some debate about the feature here, but we ended up going with this uh, the central eye that the beholder normally has. You know, it's a it's fixed it's fixed inside of this spherical shape. We're gonna actually extend that eyeball out and take inspiration from the uh, the third tentacle that serves this uh, as this thing's eyes and nose. 
Uh, mm-hmm. So pretty much what I'm I'm thinking of like the stalk of a mushroom. So or like kind of inspired by the legs of the OTU for the like the little extension on the eyeball here. Um, mm-hmm. That's going to come to this like uh, you know ovular or like almond shape that these tentacles have at the end of it. Um, mm-hmm. And it's going to have three those three eyeballs instead of the one um, for its central okay. eye. So, so, it, so yeah, so its central eye no longer exists. Instead, in its place, there's a giant stalk that comes up and has the same three eyes of the Otiug, right? Yeah, and these little like it's it's a little subtle in the art, but it has like these frills on it on the backside, or like little spines. Um, Ooh, it almost look like eyelashes a little bit here, but like I, I picture that kind of like here and there up the stalk and around the um, the orifices that serve for the eye the eyes here. So yeah, that's the that's the physical feature we're gonna get. We're gonna extend uh, we're gonna extend that central eye out and turn it into three eyes. Indeed. How many features are we at now? Because I feel like we're about to be done with this thing, aren't we? Let me look at the let me look at the schedule here. Cause um oh yeah we didn't do our recap. Um the recap is gonna be let me see how many do we have here. Today will be one two three four five six. We're at seven, my man. So the next recording wow. session we have, we're gonna finish this thing because we do yeah, usually we're three gonna at finish once. this guy. We're gonna have a name for it. Dang, dude, only seven, and look at what it looks like already. It is terrifying. Holy shit. Yeah, cur- currently we're going to go with Reyes Romano for the name. It's yeah, that's that's the, the Tickles the me so much. Because I think I did <laughs> Ray Romano jokes on, like, almost every Beholder episode we did in this stretch for, for this yeah, custom it's Beholder. True. It's true. So, yeah, yes. I think I think it... It could be a fitting name. If if somebody has a better yeah. name, I'm I'm open to it. But one of these beholders indeed, is going to be indeed. named Ray's Romano. Um, I like it. Uh, yeah, so we're good. We're yeah, our beholder's looking pretty fucking scary. And uh, indeed, and I'm indeed excited it about it. Thank you. If you want to see drawings, we post them. But if you want to see it, the Hobla man is drawing these beholders for us as we as we make it. Um, so if you want to see old cruel eyes, that is is drawn and completed and does exist in our discord, which there is a link for below. Thank you to, we haven't done this in a while, but thank you to everybody in our discord for, for being a participant and helping the community grow for the show. Um, we really appreciate you. And especially to all the, uh, administrators and moderators of the discord. Uh, thank you guys so much for doing what you do. Um, we, we appreciate you guys to no end and, and the community that you are striving to make there. It's really come, um, it's come a long way and it, it's been it's been great and wonderful to see and I'm glad it exists. Yeah, um, absolutely. Like you guys are awesome and we can't thank you enough. So yeah, the contest is over. It is. It's over. Someone won. We don't know who because we are recording this on what is it? May 1st and May 18th is the day that we announced the winner and I believe this episode is airing on May 24th or May 23rd. So as soon as we know who it is uh, in in the real life, in the real time, we will announce it on the show. But uh, whoever has one uh, has already been announced, and we've announced it on our social media by this time already. So if you got if you guys want to see who won, check out our Instagram and our Twitter. Um, anything else going out of that, Brian? No, I just want to say congratulations to the winner. Thank you guys so much for spreading the word about the Dungeon Cast. That's the whole point of putting the contest on, um, and we do see some growth every time we do it. So. Um, 
you know, we'll we'll try to continue to to do something like that. We know that people are are into it, and it does help us out. So. Uh, in the meantime, please leave us an iTunes review if you can. That would be super helpful. Or leave a YouTube comment, like and subscribe. That sort of thing also helps us a ton. Um, check out Super Quest Saga, which we've we've mentioned here. Uh, did, was that this episode or last episode? But either way, it's a 5e actual play game. It's a sci-fi adventure that Will DMs. It's it's a great show. We do a lot of work on it. There's a lot of like post-production sound and stuff that goes into that. So yeah, definitely check that out and um, and check out our Patreon if you wanna see some extra bonus content, like at, more actual play stuff, comedy games, um, the Dungeon Chats is like a uh, an occasional podcast Will and I do on there where we just kinda talk about whatever. We're gonna be doing another one of those pretty soon. Episode notes, OST for Super Quest Saga and any other project we do. And uh, just like a lot of stuff, exclusive merch, there's a lot of stuff on there. Please go check it out. Um, if you're already on Patreon, please make sure you're listening to the bonus content and let us know what you think of it. Um, otherwise, I don't think I have anything else. Is there any? Is there anything else pertinent or pending that we need to address or talk about, Will? At this time, I don't think so. Um, All right. Yeah, so I think we can call it a game. We'll talk to you guys later. All right, bye. The Dungeon Cast. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics. And sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.